Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So, uh, yeah. Shit. My hands are cold. This is going to hurt, but it didn't. It didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. No, that's good. Uh, So... (laughs) So for those of you that were listening, you may recall about three weeks ago, I would say, um, you know, Caleb and I talked about soft drinks and we were talking a little bit about like, you know, wanting to try different drinks. And uh, I kind of went on a little, I feel bad about it, but I went on a little tirade about a drink called Ugly. Look at um, that. And uh, I, I was like, ah, it's just so expensive, but I really want to try it because it's like 24 bucks for, for a case uh, for yeah. like a, of a six pack. But you can do monthly, so they'll send you like a new one every month or, or whatever frequency you prefer. Really? And uh, and I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, ah, man, I, it's just I really want to try it, but I just I can't justify, I guess, the, the cost. Well, Ugly was listening and uh, they went ahead and sent us a... The whole care package of three different flavors. We got cherry, uh, lemon, lime, and peach. And, That's pretty uh, amazing. Yeah, so uh, they they were kind enough to kind enough to send me some, and I have to say, so far I'm about to try the lemon lime for the first time. Um, but I've tried the cherry and the peach. So far, I absolutely loved the peach. Uh, mm. But lemon lime sounds good to me. I'm I'm a, I'm a lemon lime fan. Oh, the, the lemon lime's really good. That's nice. That's a really good nice. drink. Yeah. What are we drinking? Oh, that's the wrong. <laughs> that's the wrong podcast. Sorry, that was. <laughs> oh no, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so shout out to Ugly. Uh, this this was not a sponsor. They're not paying me to say this. I, I guess I mean they didn't pay. They didn't tell me to say this. They just sent me a bunch of product. You know, they sent us a bunch of product because we talked about it on our show. And you know what? It's actually really good. I, I I'm a big fan. The fact that it's no sweeteners, no calories, no sugars, and nothing artificial. Uh, really, that's what kind of tipped me onto it because I was trying to get away from sh- soda. So, is it essentially a seltzer then? Like, yeah, tum- like, uh, yeah. Well, so, at the risk of spending too much time on a, a product spot, like, I have to know <laughs> what it is because, like, I, we talked about. I tried the Olipop, and they were very much going for like a soda vibe. And yeah, it's like. 
a little bit of cane sugar and then like stevia and it's like very much soda. But this yeah. is not. This is definitely leaning more towards the sparkling water, um, which typically I'm not a fan of. Um, you know, am. I've tried a few brands uh, and, uh, you know, sparkling water was never really uh, a thing I was into. Um, but there's something about this that feels soda-like. Like the cherry, hmm. as an example, kind of reminds me of drinking black cherry soda. Okay. Um, so it just, uh, you know, the peach, the peach is just, you know, just straight up tastes like sparkling water with peach flavor, but it was really good. Like the peach is really good. Uh, so I was a big fan. Um, the lemon lime though, it, it tastes like, like a Sprite or a seven up to me or like a Sierra mist. It's, it's great. Yeah. Now I'm looking on Spotify because there used to be a band called black cherry soda that I was really in into. I wasn't in the band. Oh yeah. You were in the band. Yeah. No black cherry. It was, I think it was just black cherry. Uh, no, there, there was a band called black cherry soda. Oh, was there really? Yeah. I know there was a Black Cherry band too. Uh, I mean, I believe that. I'm, I I wouldn't tell you that I, you were I think, wrong. I think they were the one that that did the song like uh, "Oh, she's a crazy bitch" or something. I think you're thinking of Buck Cherry. Buck Cherry, that's who it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fucking Buck Cherry, man. Um, oh boy, that's a that's yeah, a throw. But you know, speaking of bands like that, I actually recently pulled up not your playlist that you made, which is great, by the way. I made a fucking killer playlist. This is a fucking brilliant Kayla uh, <laughs> playlist. We'll share it. Uh, but I I found a playlist of early two thousands like alternative hits. Nice, um, nice. And you know, it all started because for some reason, I think I, I was like I was like driving with my daughter, and she was like. Okay, she loves to tell, she loves to like make up characters and tell me stories. And she was like, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is the story of a girl. And I was like, this is the story of a girl. <laughs> and then it was just, I was like, well, I have to, the <laughs> right, I had to play the song, which led to me playing uh, Closing Time um, oh. by uh, uh, Semisonic. And, yes. you know, it just, it, one thing led to another. Um, one thing leads to another. <laughs> now we're going 80s uh but it, but it eventually fi- I, it led me to find this playlist on on apple music and uh i i was listening through it and i'm like shit there was some fucking bangers in the early 2000s yeah. like we have seven nation army by the white stripes mr brightside by the killers <laughs> last night by the strokes maps by yeah yeah yeah's Island oh in the Sun by Weezer, Danny California by Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Middle by Jimmy Eat World, All My Life by Foo Fighters, No One Knows by Queens of the Stone Age, Helena by My Chemical Romance. Like, this, it was just, I was like, holy shit, this is my mixed CD circa 2004 <laughs> or something. Like, like gee, there's like, like Vampire Weekend, Paramore, Arctic Monkeys, Bright Eyes, Fall Out Boy, Block Party, Arcade Jesus. Fire, TV on the radio. Like, dude, you could not get a better, like, like, but then I was thinking about it and I was playing these songs and I was like, oh, fuck, a lot of these songs are 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah, 20 years that. old they could play on a, on an oldie station <laughs> like <laughs> blink 182 I, could play on an oldie station this is 24 years old i remember growing up as a kid listening to oldies on the radio and thinking like okay like this is the like you know the the mid 80s now and we're listening to music like oldies uh, is like right now mostly music like 50s 60s like shit there's going to be a point where i'm an adult and like our music now is oldies. Yeah. And it's happening. It's happening, it's happening right now. 
<laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So I gotta, uh, I gotta look it up. So, Dude Ranch, uh, Dude Blink One Eighty Two, right? Yes. That came out in nineteen ninety seven, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was twenty four years ago. Which the yeah. the cutoff for for you know like uh, like a uh, adult top forty uh, type thing or like um, oldies is twenty years. So like Dude Ranch songs could a hundred percent play on an oldie station that's amazing and they should and they should like in between but they have to play it like in between other songs you know where they're like all right here's frankie in the four seasons and coming up next damn it by blink 182 <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's just <laughs> like that's Uh-oh. how like it has to immediately follow like barbara ann or something like that that's, you know? <laughs> that's flawless that should mm. absolutely be a thing that's I mean if I if I were if radio were still a thing, uh that's that's how my radio station would be. It'd be like, you know, here's Jailhouse <laughs> Rock by Elvis. Next up is, you know, Neo uh playing <laughs> his hit uh Tipsy. Uh <laughs> Oh my god. That's... Which also came out like in the nineties, so it's wild. And now I I, I wanna curate a an oldies playlist. <laughs> Yeah, right. But then it just be like, I mean, in all fairness, my current playlist is basically just an oldies playlist because it's still the same like three Taking Back Sunday albums from the early <laughs> 2000s, anyways. So like, well, it, you you mentioned the the one that I made the other day, and that came from a, a conversation where like somebody, I think Ellen was watching a TikTok video or something like that. And somebody was like mentioned emo songs, but like. The music that they refer to as emo was mostly like what we would have called new metal, and she's like, "Wow, like, like people have a really different uh, opinion on what is emo now." I was like, "Well, that term, I got, I got kind of pedantic for a moment." I was like, "That term was always kind of like nebulous and bullshit. Like, sure. it just got slapped onto like half a dozen subgenres of like." pop punk and folk and post hardcore and like you name like basically anything that like someone didn't automatically like have a genre in mind for the like this is emo and there was the, like the whole like history from like you know bands like rites of spring and whatnot up through like you know Next thing you know, Jimmy World and Dashboard Confessional or emo. Like that that whole Fallout so, Boy. Yeah, Every time exactly. someone's like, oh, it's like emo, like Fallout Boy. And I'm like, what? What? This fucking that is like like standard yeah. pop punk. That is like yeah. dictionary textbook pop punk. So I, I made a joke that I was like, Oh, I should make a playlist for you of what you know we considered emo when I was a youth. <laughs> uh, and then like I actually just started doing it going all the way back to like mostly like mid to late 90s to like early 2000s uh so like branson and gloria record and sunday's best and boy's life and christy front drive and mm. elliot and no not like all of these bands that like i don't necessarily consider emo because again i think you know, use the term if you want i'm not here to judge you but i think the term's kind of bullshit and most Agreed. of these bands fit into some other uh more appropriate genre but these are all bands that might have in the time been labeled as emo uh and they're all you know all stuff that i listened to and i just made this li- like it's three hours and 59 seconds if I knew a one-minute song uh, off the top of my head that fit properly into this, I would make it exactly four hours and just chef's kiss it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, I just like I didn't put any curation effort into it. I was mostly going with the like suggested songs algorithm. Like, yep, that that one, definitely that one, that one, that one. Uh, and 
I listened to it the next day. I'm like, holy shit, this flows so well. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. You can agree or disagree. Mm. I think you would. But if we're going to use the term, I think Taylor Swift's last two albums fall under the category of emo. I, I think you could honestly make a, uh, make a case for a lot of Taylor Swift's music to fall under the category of emo. It's true. Maybe uh, at least the last three albums. I mean, definitely like a hundred percent the last two. I mean, the, the last two albums really are just like the soundtrack to every cottagecore lesbian ever. <laughs> <laughs> but also I could, I could very easily say that is, that it is very emo because I mean, it, you know, it, it's very reminiscent of early dashboard to me. Yeah. Or like lifetime or something, you know, like <laughs> lifetime, the band or lifetime, the channel. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mixture of both leaning more towards the band. But. Oh my God. <laughs> that the very beginnings of an idea in my head. I, I won't get into it now. Um, uh, but yeah, like the, uh, I think it was last week for Left of the Dial, one of our other Night Shift Media Group podcasts, um, you know, we had a, a guest that fell through at the last minute and kids, it was like, you know, what did, like, does anybody have any backup plans? I was like, well, I've been listening to Lover pretty much exclusively this week. So no, I, I don't have a backup plan unless you want to talk about Lover, which I don't think you do. Uh, but you but should song, because it's a great fucking or, album. That record has some fucking jams on it's it. It's just so good. It's so good. Uh, but, I mean, so uh, speaking of music, bringing it into this podcast. So a fun fact about the movie we're going to talk about today is that all of the music you heard was recorded live with the cameras and microphones there. There was no pre-recorded laid down soundtracks to this film. All of it is you're hearing it exactly as it was played in the moment. Yeah. I mean, you would kind of have to the way that it's presented uh, and with how just like, I don't want to go on like full on cacophonous, but like how just like, it's just like constant, steady background music and noise. And like, it is like in the, the din of constant conversation and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. So uh, that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm not letting Ellen pick movies for the podcast anymore. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just kidding. This was great. <laughs> uh, this movie stressed me out so bad. Oh my God. Like this whole movie, I just, I like, I was like looking at my watch expecting it to be like, hey, your blood pressure is like unreasonably high for some reason. And you're like, yeah, motherfucker. This movie's stressing me out. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's uh, quickly get out of the way. Um, uh, the the movie that we're talking about this week, of course, you will know if you saw the title, uh, is Rachel Getting Married, uh, yeah. which is a, a film starring uh, Anne Hathaway and Rosemary or DeLitt. Annie DeWitt. Hathaway, by the way. She, <laughs> she wants to be referred to as Annie Hathaway now. She does not like the name Anne. She recently yeah. uh, gave this interview not that long ago. Good to know. Uh, yeah. Apologies to Annie, uh, okay. which I think is a great name anyway. And uh, this was uh, selected by by my wife, Ellen, who, again, does not uh, listen to the podcast, but uh, is sometimes subjected to the movies that we watch. And uh, I think just for once, I wanted to get a say. <laughs> uh, but she she also was like, you know, this is I, I feel like this one kind of like flew under the radar and like maybe it would be less well known. So it'd be a good one to talk about. Uh, uh, this is a bit heavier than most of our uh 
normal movies, so uh, it might be a little bit of a struggle to to make the jokes, but uh, you know, it's still very enjoyable. Uh, some uh, content warning uh, that might be uh, might be difficult for people is uh, talk of uh, substance abuse and addiction, uh, talk of um, uh, like uh, self harm uh, and like wrongful of, death, wrongful death of uh, um, like implications of like. Uh, abuse at home, uh, things like that. So uh, if any of those are difficult for you, this might not be uh, the movie for you to watch. Uh, But that said, uh, we specifically chose this movie uh, because we're doing this month, uh, this is March still, right? Yeah, it's March, uh, where we... uh, in the real world, uh, well, in the real world, quote unquote, uh, over on uh, Disney Plus, uh, we're transitioning from uh, the WandaVision show to uh, soon to be released the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So we had, uh, you know, our first week was a movie starring Catherine Hahn. Uh, the next week, a, a movie uh, largely starring uh, Sebastian Stan. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about a movie starring Anthony Mackie. Uh, this week, uh, the reason that we were able to, to fit Rachel getting married in uh, is because I, I noticed that Sebastian Stan is in this movie. And uh, I didn't know in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't know to what extent. And I feel like this worked out perfectly because he is in this movie, but for like... <laughs> Four lines in the very beginning, and that's it. So yeah, <laughs> it's not like we're we're giving uh, a significant preference to Sebastian Stan and doing two movies where he's the star. He's just like he's in it, and then we move on. <laughs> yeah, and actually, uh, at the time of you listening to this episode, uh, unless you are one of our Patreon subscribers who who listening to it on a Thursday, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier has already debuted, right? Because it's oh, March eighteenth, I think it is. Or maybe I'm confusing it with the Snyder um, cut. With yeah, with the Snyder cut. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I think it's the sure. 19th that it that debuts. I think it's on Friday because the 18th is Thursday. Uh, oh. And then, oh yeah, uh, 14, 15, so, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, the 19th. So yeah, so if you are, um, if you are a Patreon subscriber and listening to this on Thursday. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, debuts tomorrow. If you are uh, everyone else and listening on Sunday or later, it has already debuted. So the first episode has already happened. We are recording this before, uh, obviously, that. So we cannot tell you anything about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But we can tell you that so far, uh, reviews are very positive. So, mm. And, like, given that I was not the least bit interested in WandaVision until, uh, you know, over the, the course of, like, the New Year's break, we rewatched the entire MCU, and then I got excited, and then we watched it, and holy shit, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, I suddenly find myself actually excited and interested in Falcon and Winter Soldier, which, again, I previously wasn't. I actually had, like, no desire to watch any of the, the new television series series uh, yeah that they were releasing uh they just, just i'm like oh, yeah these are side characters like okay cool like keep it going like get people to subscribe to disney plus hooray good for you but like they're actually really good <laughs> they're really good and you know uh wandavision uh you know after having watched the entire series i feel like we're, we're far, far enough now where i feel like i'm, I'm not going to like majorly spoil it we're not going to talk in detail but i feel like the implications of wandavision specifically the season finale um it it definitely set up uh a much i mean like that that sees that last scene in wandavision felt like 
no different than one of the end credit scenes you would see in one of the major films. Like it was like, yeah. oh shit, that's gonna be bad. Like that's this is gonna become a bigger thing than you know than like you know this this is the equivalent of seeing Thanos for the first time being like, fine, I'll do it myself. You know, like <laughs> this is that was no different. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that's going to be awesome for uh, Doctor Strange 2. But I've heard so far uh, that the people wa- who have watched the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier have basically been like, yeah, like the first episode, you're going to be like, oh, shit, like, this is going to be a big deal. That guy is probably going to be a big deal. And yeah, we're probably getting Young Avengers. Oh. So, I mean, we've already been introduced to half of them. So, like... We know Kate Bishop is coming. We know Miss Marvel oh is God. coming. We know America Chavez is coming. What, really? Um, yeah, she's been confirmed for yes. uh, uh upcoming movie. I forgot which one, but she's been oh com- she's God, cast yes. in one of them. So That's like so great. We already know like and you know, we like I said Kate Bishop, like who else? Well, there was a couple others. Um oh, um, uh Cassie Lang, like we already know Cassie Lang exists. She takes over Aunt, uh from Ant-Man's powers. Like we literally know half of uh young uh, like the young avengers already so like it's happening like it's it's gonna happen oh uh, looks like uh she's gonna have a role uh, america chavez is gonna have a role in uh multiverse of madness right that's that's what it was because she's actually from a multiverse. perfect for her yeah. yeah because she is from uh an alien planet uh with lesbian parents by the way which is actually really it. awesome i love her story so much yeah uh, um yeah <laughs> one of my favorites as well yeah Obviously, yes. as someone with lesbian parents, I, I uh, appreciate it a lot. So, yeah, I'm a big amazing, fan. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I Kate Bishop is a fucking great character, so I can't wait for that Hawkeye story. Uh, I hope they bring back Laura Kinney. I hope they somehow, like, I don't, it doesn't have to necessarily link to Logan, but it would make sense if it does. Uh, I think Laura Kinney, X-23, is a, a fantastic oh my character. God, I would love and, that. Like, uh, X-23, Kate Bishop. America Chavez, like these characters all together are fucking amazing. So they're just uh, so good. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Oh, your video went away. Yeah, my oh, video no. changed. I noticed there was too many delays uh, in my other camera. So I'm, I swapped cameras. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, Rachel getting married. Uh, we're we're going to go from that and we're going to talk oh, yeah. about two, two people. So. Um, so this movie stars, uh, Annie Hathaway. And so this is 2008 and this is, I would say, I would say 2008 is probably peak, uh, Annie Hathaway. Like she's, she'd just come off like some of her smaller films like Havoc, um, and, and a few others. And this is, this is really like where she's starting to build. like, you know, this is just before all her romantic comedy runs. Like this is right before 27 dresses. This is before the devil wears Prada. Like this is just after princess diaries. So this is like a great bridge film to be able this, to be like, Oh, you grew up. Yeah. This is Annie Hathaway finding her place as a dramatic actress and not just like teen comedy. Yeah. Uh, which also like just on the heels of Brokeback Mountain, which I think was like probably oh, know, I after forget about that movie. It's so good. After the princess diaries and Ella enchanted, like those movies probably hit like her first like big break. Uh, yeah. Pun not intended, but I guess kind of, I mean, kind of yeah. Bre- break, 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 and broke, broke back. I don't know. Words, you know, I mean, um, I don't think it's a pun, but I get what you're saying. I see, I see where you're going. Uh, but yeah, like her starting to to come into her own as a dramatic actor, and 
honestly, like she's she's fantastic. She just is. She's so like everybody like how you talk about Meryl Streep uh is how you're gonna talk about Annie Hathaway in uh you know 15, 20 years. Um total sidebar, speaking of Annie Hathaway, did you ever see Colossal? No. But I've heard that it's it's not the film you think it is, but it's still a really good movie. We should do that one sometime because I, I would saw love it. to do that. I fucking loved it and would watch it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, I've I've heard that you know, like I I remember seeing poster trailer for it, thinking like, wow, this looks like a dope monster movie, and then someone being like, it's not a monster movie, like it's not <laughs> at all. Like, it, yes, there's that element, but that's not really what it's like. When you watch it, you're like, oh, okay. Also, yeah. Jason Sudeikis is—he's uh, oh, having right. his moment. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Uh, so uh, Rachel getting married uh, uh, basically follows uh, the story of uh, Kim, spelled with a Y for some reason. Um, and uh, Kim is—we uh, see that Kim is in rehab. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so obviously, you know, she is struggling from some form of substance, uh, abuse, whether, you know, we, we don't really know what it is until much later, um, in the film until she really goes into detail of what specifically it was. It turns out it was, you know, things like pills and stuff like that. Um, and, and we see that she's there and this is where we see Sebastian Stan as right off Walter. the bat as Walter. Yeah. As, uh, what, what does she call him? Waldo. I think so. Yeah. He's like, my name is Walter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's pretty much his only but line. He's demanding to get his Zippo back from one of the uh I don't know if she's like a a a doctor or an attendant or a therapist or someone who works at the the rehab facility in yeah, some counselor way. of sorts. Uh, and you know she's, she's telling him no and he gets kind of aggressive about it and uh she uh, Rose the attended the therapist who whatever her role is yeah. uh she has one of the best lines and you know it, she doesn't say like are you threatening me or like was that a threat she says are you making a choice walter <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's the language of recovery um but in this moment it's beautiful comedy and i I loved it. It was great. Yeah. No, honestly, I uh, that's going to be my next uh, uh, like parenting tactic. You'd be like, are you making a choice? Is are that the choice you want to make? <laughs> it's going to be like, I don't know what that means. Just give me the chocolate. Damn. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm choosing Oreos for breakfast. Um, you know, so <laughs> so we, we see that... <sighs> We see obviously that that uh, Kim has been struggling, um, you know, and she's she's still stressed out, but she she is getting out because her sister is getting married, Rachel, um, yeah. and so you know obviously we see you know she uh, um, her dad comes to pick her up. Um, you know, when her dad picks her up and we see you know that like they have they have a good relationship, but it's obvious that he's the dad is definitely one of those characters that's like. Oh well, let's not talk about that. Let me just make you some food and let's just carry on blinders. Everything's fine. Nothing's bad ever. Let's just do our thing. And uh but you know, you can tell that like bubbling under the surface, she she's kind of being like, "Yes, I I want to not talk about things, but at the same time, she's kind of like, but I think I need to." Yeah. And we don't really know the extent of why outside of uh the addiction why there's like this rift between them. 
Yeah, dad uh, in this movie very much strikes me as a, like, never processed uh, really anything and just just wants to keep the peace. Yeah. Uh, and that, that becomes more and more apparent as we go on, but, like, he very much... Uh, he he dodges a lot of questions and doesn't really get into to deep conversations. But at the same time, like he's keeping a uh, a close wary eye on uh, Kim as he he brings her home to the the uh, the the you know, wedding in preparation. Uh, and also, he's very much the <clears throat> he's the caretaker role in this movie. Totally, where in a lot of movies like this, you might see like a, a mother or a grandparent that is the constantly hovering, like, have you eaten? Here's some food. Oh, you have to go to your meeting. Let me drive you. Like the, the constant, like give, 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 uh, he plays that role. And I actually really appreciated that, uh, about this movie. Uh, cause it, it flips the script a bit because later we do meet the, the mother and she's very distant and not involved. Uh, and you know, it, it was nice to, to see them make that, what I assume was a, a decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this film was uh, was written by uh, Jenny Lumet, uh, and um, so Jenny has written a few scripts before, but this was actually the first one that ever became a movie. Um, but she went on to do uh, the Mummy, the one with uh, Tom Cruise. So she went on to do the Mummy with Tom say. Cruise. But she's also a producer for Star Trek Discovery, which is um, just fantastic. And she's yes. a producer for the show Clarice, uh, which uh, is. Um, uh, just just coming out. Co-executive producer for Discovery and consulting producer for Picard. So she's uh, oh, nice. fa- fairly heavily. And uh, executive producer for uh, Strange New Worlds, which is coming soon, I hope, because I need it. Yeah, uh, she. so she also wrote episodes for Strange New Worlds and Discovery. I'm uh, very excited for this new world of Trek, and uh, it's, it's cool to see... Uh, someone with this talent in writing being that heavily involved in the show yeah and this is uh that's you can get all that stuff on paramount plus right isn't that yes. where this is all going now the cbs yeah. all access that's, in paramount plus like merged or something that was my biggest concern uh when the parent company paramount announced that they were you know changing up the streaming service and making cbs all access paramount plus and like changing up like the tier structure and like the content and everything i was like do whatever the fuck you feel you need to do do not screw with my ability to watch star trek otherwise i'm <laughs> right. gone i'm out <laughs> i gotta go i'm out of here yeah. um, i got a lot of problems with you people <laughs> where's my poll um <laughs> Uh, but, and then, so outside of that, obviously, you know, uh, the mummy wasn't great, um, but it was Shut fun. your mouth. Well, this is the, the Tom Cruise <laughs> mummy. This isn't, oh, you know, okay. the Brendan yeah, Fraser mind. mummy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Tom Cruise uh, mummy, it's not a bad movie. It really isn't. Um, it's definitely one I could watch again. Um, and it definitely would have been a great way to set up like a monster cinematic or you know the universal monster cinematic universe but it just never yeah. did i um which was a shame i had mixed feelings about the idea of a, a monster verse um but that's uh, i think some of those monsters uh are such classic characters that like bringing them back respectfully um would be a good thing 
it just like the the chances of it being like respectfully done and not just completely ruining the uh, the stories is pretty low at this point. I mean, I'll be honest, uh, they have a very, very extremely high bar uh, to meet in terms of crossover, and that is, of course, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is <laughs> one of the most fantastic films I've ever watched. Oh, my God. But that God. has, like, Jekyll and Hyde. It has, like, you know, Nemo. You know, it has, like, a- uh, Alan Quartermain. Like, yeah, the, uh, it's just the so urban, legend, urban legend being that... Uh, um, Connery just didn't have any clue where he was through the majority of the filming of that. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. Just like kind of stumbled his way through. Yeah. Uh, man, what a. Yeah, what I mean, it was, did, it was like Huck did, Finn or no, Tom Sawyer. It was Tom Sawyer is, is in it. Did Dorian we lose Gray? Sean Connery last year? Is he, we was did. he one of the yeah, casualties uh, of 2020? And we lost him just before Alex Trebek because I remember oh, it being like it, uh, yeah. Alex Trebek got the last word. Oh, that's right. It was it was last actually. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, mm-hmm. Trebek. <laughs> Trebek. Take that, uh, Connery. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- Halloween of twenty twenty. Ah, so. that's a shame. Yeah. Um. I mean, but, dude was ninety, so like. Right. <laughs> so so here's another really weird connection. So uh, Jenny Lamette, as we mentioned, uh, wrote this film, and she is the uh, producer and writer for Clarice, which is about um, the FBI agent who uh, was dealing with, you know, Silence of Lambs, dealing with mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter. This movie was directed by Jonathan Demme, who directed Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, uh, which was the first introduction of Clarice. That's the first time we ever saw her, who at the time was played by Jodie Foster. Which uh, Demi had some heavy hitting movies. I mean, well, Philadelphia, Manchurian I mean, uh, yeah. Candidates, uh, like big deal. So, I mean, I yeah, guess... like it's wild. You know, to Ellen's point, it's wild that this film went under the radar when you have somebody who has done such fantastic, like. I mean, Silence of Lambs is is still to this day considered one of the best, you know, psychological criminal uh, 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 movies of all time. Philadelphia is, you know, also very highly uh, uh, talked about. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And like the, I mean, the the casts of these movies are like top notch. Uh, yeah. Even like, the, I, I I guess I like I don't think Rachel getting married necessarily would be considered like star studded, but like extremely well cast. Uh, yeah. And, you know, with, like, in the, the benefit of hindsight and up-and-coming Annie Hathaway, like, that's a big deal. Right. <clears throat> so, good for uh, good for the late uh, John Demi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who died uh, about four years ago. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, we've got Annie Hathaway, Rosemary DeWitt, Deborah Winger. Like, this is this is a pretty good cast. And now, you know, Sebastian Stan. Um, I, and, so, uh, speaking yeah. of Rosemary DeWitt, I thought, like, she's she's one of those actors that, like, I saw her and thought, like, I know this person. Like, where do I know this person? And I really have seen almost nothing she's been in, uh, with the exception of the one episode of Black Mirror, uh, Archangel, uh, that she was in. And I think that has to be it. I mean, she reminds me a little bit of, uh, I'd have to look up her name, but one of the actors from uh, Haunting of Hill House who played the, the older sister reminds me a little bit of her. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think that that's at all who I was thinking of. Um, I, I think it had to have been that Black Mirror episode, which is weird because it's been several years since I've seen that. Yeah. I mean, so Little Fires Everywhere is, is pretty good. She's in that. Um, 
Uh, I'm trying to think. So La La Land, uh, you know, she's good in that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen her in. Um, Elizabeth Racer was uh, the other actor that I was thinking of. Who, like, oh, right. Just oh, and like she, a, she was in uh, Mad Men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is that is right. That is right. Yep. Um, it's Midge, right? Yeah, Midge. Midge Daniels. Midge Daniels. Yeah, which was uh, shortly after this. Um, it was about two years after this film came out that she was, uh, she was in that, um, before that, I mean, she was in some TV shows. She was in some movies. Uh, she was in sex in the city as like one episode. Um, she was in an SVU episode. Uh, but yeah. Oh, and so, she was in Cinderella man as well. The, the crazy, like this, uh, Rachel getting married has a very large cast of like, you know, this, I, I used the word cacophonous earlier. I mean, it's set as almost like family home movie style, shaky cam documentary, like weaving in and out of this like three days of a crowded house and restaurant and like big family event. There's like dozens of people here and like several on screen at almost all times. But the way they managed to center the dynamic between uh, Annie and Rosemary, you know, Kim and Rachel, uh, as, like their their sister dynamic is so well done that yeah. you get these really like really poignant moments of just the two of them in the midst of all of this chaos. And like big, big kudos to both actors for like how well they pulled that off. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The you know you bringing up that it does feel like home movie is is a hundred percent accurate. And there's this weird, there's a weird moment where there's somebody is actually taking like video mm -hmm. for uh, I would assume like a soldier who is uh, he's, off. Uh, he's Sydney's uh, brother. Uh, who, who is he's, off? He's no, he's home. They they keep referencing like we're glad to have you home. We want you home for real. See, and I thought they were talking to like who he was recording it for. And up until no, the end, just, I think it was that he that I think I was like, oh no, that's him. Yeah, because it just doesn't put the camera down ever. Yeah. Like at one point, they're like we we're glad to have you here. Can you put the camera away? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's weird because we jump back and forth from traditional film style of of like following you know of like setup shots to actually viewing it through uh this but it's uh but you're spot on it definitely feels like home movie shaky cam mm -hmm. uh type stuff now before we get further into this um we're gonna take a quick break and hear from us to talk about uh some uh cool sponsors and uh podcasts that you guys should listen to and when we come back we will actually get into the crux of rachel getting married Set Condition 1 is Night Shift Radio's Battlestar Galactica fan cast. Each week, Battlestar veterans Caleb and Kitsy revisit, and newcomer to the show Andrea watches for the first time the 2004 sci-fi series Battlestar Galactica. They've just entered their third season, which means you've got two full seasons of sci-fi gold to binge if you want to watch along with them. Whether you're the commander of a soon-to-be decommissioned battleship or recently promoted to president of the Twelve Colonies. Join Caleb, Kitsy, and Andrea as they make their way through the Battlestar Galactica universe one episode at a time. Watch Battlestar Galactica free on Peacock and find Second Edition 1 at secondedition1throughoutthepodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Looking for something heroic in your life? Go check out our friends at the Superpod HeroCast. They're guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Every episode goes in depth with a different superhero movie. A classic of modern cinema? A certified stinker? It doesn't matter. If it's a superhero movie, they're going to talk about it. Start with a little bit of comedy, add in some film analysis, and finish it off with a heaping dose of geekery. You've got the Superpod Hero Cast. 
It doesn't matter if you're a casual fan or a 20th level nerd. Download their latest episode, grab a beverage, and enjoy the fun. The Superpod Hero Cast. Be heroic. Hello and welcome back. So wow. we um so so we've we've introduced kind of the premise and a lot of the actors and players in in Rachel getting married. Um and we've mentioned that the film starts right off the bat with uh Kim, played by Annie Hathaway, getting out of rehab, and now she's she's coming home to this this madness. So this is just the madness of this house and like mm-hmm everybody's bustling around and you can tell right off the bat, like right off the bat, there is tension, uh, between like, there is like, you know, this is the eggshells. Everybody is walking on eggshells around the situations of, uh, of Kim going to rehab of Kim coming out of rehab and being part of the wedding. Um, so we see that her sister, Rachel, you know, is there and she, she hasn't seen her in a very long time, you know, and she's like, Oh my God, like you look great. You know, and then uh, we learn that she, uh, that Rachel has chosen her friend to be the the maid of honor, but is basically, you know, Rachel or uh, Kim kind of assumes that it's her. Um, you know, she just assumes that she's going to be the 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 maid of honor because you know she's her sister and the whole spiel. But then, you know, she actually learns in a very like awkward way uh, very shortly after that. Yes, uh, because she she uh, actually runs into Kieran, the best man, uh, at a, an NA meeting. Right? I think it's I think it's Naranon. Yeah, um, and then she meets him back at the house. She's like, "Oh, hey, you? <laughs> it's you." Uh, and they sneak off and they have sex. And she's like, "We should make this tradition where." the best man and the maid of honor just fuck while everyone else is like going crazy doing all the work. And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure Emma's the maid of honor. She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, uh, what? Not really that aggressive, but yeah. Until <laughs> she yeah. wants to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I, I do want to preface. So we did talk about how this movie is, uh, I, this isn't really a comedy. Like, there was maybe one or two parts that are like set up as punchlines, but this is a very uncomfortable movie and it's meant mm-hmm. to be as such. Um, yeah. like there, you know, again, that whole, the whole idea of like this looming thing that nobody is talking about is, is a running theme throughout the movie. And it even doesn't really like, there is no like explosive moment where everyone's like, blah feelings. Ah, now I feel better. Let's resolve them. It literally just, is looming the entire time, which mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to say this as someone with zero experience uh, dealing with, with addicts or something like that. But I assume this is probably more realistic that like, this is what it's like for, for somebody who is in recovery coming back and dealing with their family is that like, there's always that looming, especially in this, in this instance with this tragedy tied to it, that there will always be this looming, like unsaid thing that just sucks, you know? Um, yeah, it, so I mean, I can't speak to that, but I'm guessing that this is what makes it feel real. And Kieran, as a fellow addict in recovery, uh, later mentions like when you know there there is a bit of an argument and uh, Kim disappears for a bit. He's like, look, like, coming back, like, like interacting with your family is probably the hardest part. Like I didn't see mine for like a year and like all this stuff. And so like she just needs she needs time. Uh, and like I I don't know. I, I also don't have the the direct experience with this to really say for sure, but like anytime the addiction and recovery is portrayed in movies and in TVs and whatnot, there's 
always this sense of like the family has given up. Like mm-hmm. they tried to be supportive, but they could only go so far. And like, we just, we just give up. And like, that always bothers me. Like the idea that you just like, like we, we helped you twice, but we're not going to do it a third time sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a weird thing. Uh, and given that I, I just don't have the experience in it outside of literally just movies and shows, I, I, I can't speak to to it yeah. uh, as much as I would uh, love to. I guess go into detail about it. Uh, I just can't. It's not a it's not an experience I have. Oh, there we go. Got to clean up the the Nice oh. Radio logo. Oh, oh, huh? We both got the thing. It's so good. <laughs> oh, Billy. Um, <laughs> for those of you on YouTube, you totally got that joke. Um, yes. uh, yeah. So. So, the thing about this movie that also frustrates me, don't get me wrong, it's not a bad movie. It isn't. No. It's just, it's it's a movie that feels, it's one of those movies that was written to feel like you are just at an event. Like, it's not set up, there's not, this isn't a typically structured film where it's like, I'm going to introduce a character, here's this bunch of exposition, oh no, Mm -hmm. a conflict, ah, character growth, resolution. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not, like, you, I felt like I was at this wedding, and I have to say, I've only ever been, well, I guess technically I've been to two weddings in my life. One of them, I was four, so I absolutely do not remember. And the other (laughs) wedding was my fucking own. I do not, I've never been to another wedding, and after watching this movie, I hope to never fucking go to a wedding ever again. So Ever, I have been in several, including my own, uh, like in as like, you know, a member of the, the party or like at the very least attended, uh, and the, the chaos and the, like the tension and the, just like everyone stressing out and whatnot, like all of this is very, very accurate. Uh, and, uh, it, it was something from which we, we learned, uh, for our own wedding and tried to make it the the least stressful and least chaotic it could possibly be. And even then, like there still was some, uh, but like the way that people are so unable to even just enjoy the moment because there's so much going on and like you're trying so hard to make it perfect. Like fuck making it perfect. Make it fun. Just make it happen. <laughs> like just yeah, worry yeah, about make it, it happen. <laughs> worry about the fun later. Just make it happen. Yeah, that, you know, um, I mean, I'm divorced now, you know, been divorced for a while now, but that's, you know, that was one of the things about our wedding is that we didn't stress about seating arrangements. We didn't stress about any of that stuff. Like, we literally were just like, let's get the people there. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure they eat, you know, make sure there's food, make sure there's music and leave it at that. Like, mm-hmm. everything else will fall into place. Like, we did not stress a lot of the stuff, like the the bridesmaids and the grooms. Um, you know, like we were very open, like we, like for the bridesmaids, we even had them choose like the cheapest possible dresses, you know, we basically were like this color, this style, find it literally wherever. Like we did not make them pay this absurd amount, you know, for anything, you know, the same thing with, um, with the groomsmen. The only thing that I did was I paid for, um, all of their cummerbunds and ties, um, because we did, I've talked about this before, but we did the gender flip flop where oh, all yeah. of the brides, all the on the on the bride side, everyone wore uh, blue or teal, and on the groom side, everyone wore pink. Uh, well, pink uh, accents. We, you know, I was in black, but I had a pink tie, um, and then uh, all my groomsmen had pink cummerbunds and pink ties. Um, that was our our flip flop. So, nice. um, but yeah, that was it. I mean, it was just let's not stress. But like, 
Talk about this wedding. So Rachel is marrying Sydney, mm-hmm. and uh, Sydney, for all intents purposes, is a blurred. Uh, he is a black nerd, um, and uh, that's uh, how they, you know, that's the, the reference. Uh, I got that from Scrubs. I don't know if that's a legit. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a, a term. I mean, it's that's how it is. Um, so, I mean, it is. But this is the most like <laughs> weirdly mixed cultural wedding I have ever seen in my life. Because because yeah. Rachel's white. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, for, you know, we know this from her par- both parents are white. Like She's yeah, Stamford, Connecticut. <laughs> oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Sydney is 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 black, um, but there's like Indian elements, and then there was like Asian elements, but then there mm-hmm. was like weird like Irish folky elements, and then it was like it was at, a at, really weird mix of culture. At one which point, none I of them was... seemed to reflect them. I, I think at one point there was uh, some some uh, African influence in the uh, the the like reception, yep. uh, at, like really interesting, and it, it was hard to tell the line between like, is any of this appropriation or like is this just like a fit of like representing like who all these people are because it was an incredibly diverse group uh, overall, uh, yeah. So like it like it didn't feel like it was appropriation beyond maybe the uh, the white women wearing saris that was a little weird. Uh, yeah i mean i I feel like that's such a like yeah yeah you know it was really weird so uh one of the characters in it is uh is referred to only as the weddings are and we never actually introduced to this character but uh this person appears to be the one who's kind of like making the wedding happen which is where i think we're getting all of these uh elements from but it's played by bo sia um and bo sia has been in a few movies, more specifically, he was actually in Jonathan Demme's The Manchurian Candidate, hmm. um, but just as, like, a random side character. Uh, he was in the movie Hitch as literally drugstore clerk. Like, he wasn't even, uh, like, he's not even credited as anything. So um, like, but he gets just, a lot of parts, but they're not necessarily, like, named or, like, big parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's it's really weird, but this character, you see him through the movie so many times, tons of times, in fact, but, like, mm-hmm. he never really talks. We never really get introduced to him or explain the purpose of his character, but he's just always fucking there, and it's really weird. That was one of the weird <laughs> things where I kept seeing him, and I'm like, shouldn't someone, like, talk to this person like who is this guy he is in every fucking scene you should talk like just somebody say something to him i feel <laughs> like, like there, anybody there, there was a couple of people like that because there was um someone who's credited as like wedding pa uh and i think that that was the the woman that was just like constantly walking around like like at the rehearsal dinner she was handing out the microphone and like oh, giving right. people weird looks and like uh, she would just be like walking around and doing random things and occasionally getting not quite yelled at, but not quite spoken friendly to. Right. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, and it was, uh, there was the, uh, the wedding planner played by Inbo Shim, uh, who again, like the, no name, just there. Yep. Yeah. Just, just showed up. I'm only here to collect a paycheck, I guess. <laughs> but, and, and again, like 
if, if we think about it from the the concept that like, this is like family home movie style uh, in this big event, of course they're not going to be focusing on uh, these people who are there to make the event happen because their whole job is to be kind of out of the way so for the family. Like if right. they're doing things right, uh, quote unquote, uh, then the event is just happening and the the family doesn't have to notice that they're there. Uh, that's, you know, that's my read on it, but, uh, it is interesting that there are so many characters like this. Uh, and I think that makes it feel more genuine. Uh, and of course we can't forget all of the poodle. Oh, so cute. Ooh, such a good dog. He's a good boy. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It was really weird. Uh, but yes, completely. So, uh, so we mentioned that there's this like looming thing about you know about the the incidents around um uh, around kim and there's a lot of very interesting things that in in a standard movie in a in a typically written movie um we would have gotten this weird backstory so like little things are dropped in that were definitely it's it definitely falls under the category of like ooh i would love to know more about that but if mm-hmm. i don't it's not going to ruin the movie for me mm-hmm. um whereas you know we have talked about this on multiple occasions where we will learn a fact and you're like that seems really important you should talk about that and then they never do and you're like well i guess i'll just have to figure that out on my own i hope i'm right man i'm confused but Mm -hmm. they drop things to the effect of like kim was on the cover of 17 magazine yeah like that was a very like they dropped that fact and you're like wait what and then they also (laughs) dropped the effect so so the only thing i can think of is that there's something to the effect where kim was a child star of some sort, whether she was a model or an actress or something, but she, she had some, some slice of fame as a young kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, which, you know, tragically uh, happened sometimes it ended up causing her to, to get addicted to pills, specifically Percocet. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, she recants this story, um, and the story is, and we learn this very late. Like we do learn that they had a younger brother by the name of Ethan, mm-hmm. um, and but we don't we don't really learn the circumstances around Ethan's death. But we do learn that Ethan uh, is dead. They they say a few times like, um, you know, oh man, I wish Ethan could be here. Like it's you know, I, I I'm sure Ethan. Um, uh, w- would have loved this. But fun fact, uh, all the photos of Ethan in this film were actually uh, photos of uh, Annie Hathaway's uh, younger brother, Thomas. Oh, that um, is a fun fact. Yeah. So that was, they're all just photos of, of him as a kid uh, and and her, like him and her and stuff. So that's, that's pretty interesting. But... So what we learn is that, uh, and this is something, so the, so mom and dad are divorced, dad has remarried, and that's another thing that's really interesting is that stepmom... She has maybe two lines this whole movie. Like nobody even brings up like, well, she is the stepmom. Like you, you, they say like, oh, well, this is mom and blah 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 blah. But then you're like, wait, no, that's mm-hmm. other mom. Got it. So yeah. like, it was really that was just one of those like they dropped that in there, but then we're like, no backstory, no needed. And you're like, okay, like yeah. cool, <laughs> just just family. It's, yeah. I mean, that the again that that lends a lot to the realism that like you totally. There are families that, like, yes, the parents are divorced. They're both remarried. They're civil. They can attend events together. They're happy for each other. And, like, that's it. Like, that doesn't contribute to the drama. And, like, nobody hates the stepmom. They love her. She's great. Um, Yeah. 
Uh, even the real mom compliments you know she was like oh you know your dad and whatever her name is did such a great job like you guys you know they really did a great job setting up the wedding like she she you know compliments that they did a good job doing it carol was the, the carol that's name. right yeah and again like she's she's just she's there and it's a, a series of tropes that they managed to either like sidestep or flip all together uh which i think is again a credit to the writing of this movie yeah uh, uh, agreed. Um, and so, so there is, there, so there's a lot to this, uh, to this movie. <laughs> there is a lot. There is a lot, but so we learn that at one point, uh, uh, Kim is 16 years old. She's high on Percocets. She tells this story of, um, her and her brother are playing. They used to go to this place and they used to play. The story was very, it felt very disjointed, but like once you get to like where the story starts ramping up, you're like, oh God, oh shit. Mm-hmm. So basically, what happens is is that um, Kim get is is high on Percocets. She's 16. She's looking after her brother because you know dad is off at work. Mom, for whatever reason, is off at work or something. She she leaves uh, Kim in charge of Ethan, um, and uh, she ends up you know going to drive him home. And they end up crashing uh, because she was high, uh, and um, Ethan ends up dying in that crash. So this is this is basically what triggers, you know, her ending up having to go to uh, rehab. The assumption is that this is she basically went into some sort of you know like court ordered rehab and has been there since, and this is her first moment, kind of like really like fully getting out, and like she's been sober nine months. So like this is this is like her first foray and like okay I'm really gonna try r- real life now after you know uh, ten years or so ago uh, uh, accidentally killing her her brother and I I do like the way that they tell that story because again it's it's hinted at we know that uh, that Ethan is dead there's the the moment where they're uh, the dad and uh, the groom to be. Uh, have a little competition of who can load the dishwasher the fastest, and uh, you know Kim is helping her dad out. He's like, "I need more dishes" because he's he's winning, and she pulls out a stack, and in that stack, for some reason, uh, is like Ethan's plate, like it's got his name on it, and like you know, kitty artwork and whatnot. And like that's that's kind of an odd place to keep uh, a reminder of your dead son. But you know what? I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Who is who? Um, it's been like ten years. Like if it was yeah. like a couple of years, that'd be one thing. But like ten years to have it just in the normal thing is yeah yeah so again we we get all these hints like you said and uh we get a snippet where she goes she, she's either flashing back to or she goes to another meeting uh i, I the sense that i got was that she went to a, another meeting yeah that was uh, and sense. she she tells the whole story uh and she talks about it like you know i i can come to terms with it but i cannot forgive myself and like you can tell that like she still very much wrestles with this and uh that that has hindered her recovery it's hindered her relationships with her family and with other people in general uh and that like just that one little moment gives you like so much of what you need to know about who Kim is yeah, you know, we we get a few moments where people, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, people say like, "Oh, I wish Ethan could have been here." And you see, you know, everyone being like, "Oh, yeah," but you see Kim and she's like, "Uh, like it hurt, mm-hmm. like it hurts her." And everyone else is just 
you know, reflecting fondly of somebody who's passed, you know, everyone's just like, no, oh, yeah. But like for Kim, it's like, it's a knife. Like you can, it's you another feel twist. It. Yeah. Yep. And she's just like, oh, like, it's just, it's, it's bad. And, you know, she has this big, you know, finally she has kind of a blowout moment with her sister, you know, her sister in the middle of a fight is like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, you, what the fuck? You can't do that. You can't throw a thing like that into the middle of it, which in all fairness, fucking low. Like you, <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Like your, your sister is like coming to terms and trying to acknowledge the fact that like she is struggling. She's just out of this. And I know it's your wedding and all, but like in the middle of her being like, I am having a really hard time with this and I'm struggling and I just got out and blah, blah, blah. The sister's like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> This this entire movie was basically like it's time for the intention to be on me now. Yes, but it but it, but it was everybody plays the role like Every everybody is like no me point. and then Kim's like but me and then mom's like here I am now it's my turn. <laughs> it was, oh boy, yes, um, man, yeah, yes, and I think that's what stressed me out the most is because I was like. Can can just one person in this whole movie actually just listen to another person? Any one of them. Just pick one. Just pick one person and somebody just fucking listen to that person say their feelings. Because, like, Rachel's feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. She, she's 100% valid. Like, this is her wedding. And I know that it's coming at a really awkward time of you just getting out of rehab and coming in and having to kind of, like, acclimate to such a large event. But, like, this is my fucking wedding. You know, and Rachel's like, hi, I was fucked up and addicted and, you know, messed up. And I killed our younger brother. And I've been dealing with that for 10 years. And now I'm out and trying to get my life straight. But literally, I have nothing and everything's bad. And I want somebody to listen to me. And everyone's like, no, me. (laughs) It's like, shut the fuck up. And meanwhile, dad's just like, have you eaten yet? Here's a sandwich. <laughs> right. And even, you know, and it's funny because, it, you know, uh, Kim's character even says like, you know, he, you know, he thinks I'm anorexic and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, are you kidding? Like he would feed, you know, these overfed workers uh, all the time. Like that's just who dad is because that's, that's his character. He's the, and, and the thing is, is like, he is one of those people that, him offering you food is is a love language to him. Like that's how mm-hmm. he is expressing that he's thinking of you and caring for you. And in and yeah, I mean it's not emotionally great, but like it's it's his way of being like, I don't know how to do things. I made meatloaf, though, mm-hmm. you know, and like you know, so that you take that moment and be like, thanks, Dad. Let's talk now. Blah blah blah. You yeah. Know? Um. Yeah. Uh. Oh boy, stressful movie. So. She goes and visits her mom uh, after this this moment of telling the story, and let me tell you, that does not go well. Sure don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like she, she she's like had the 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 blow up with the family. She's she's told the story, so like we we now know like where she feels she stands amongst everyone, and she goes and confronts her mother, uh, and. Like, no one knows where, like, the rest of the family doesn't know where she's gone. As far as they know, she's just, like, up and disappeared. And, like, she could be using again or she could be, like, wherever. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where we have the, the moment of Kieran explaining, like, you know, coming home and seeing your family is difficult. She confronts her mother and is like, why would you leave me alone with her? Like, you knew 
Like people told you, like it was obvious. I was, you know, I weighed, you know, 50 pounds. My hair was falling out. I was passing out all the time. Like the signs were there. Why would you leave me with, with them? And the, the mother, like at first tries to deny it. And she's like, you know, I, I didn't know. And like, you know, like you were, you were good with him. And that was the only time that you were good. And like, you see it like slowly start to come out. And then like the mother just freaks out like, well, you weren't supposed to kill him. And they hit each other. Uh, and, uh, Kim drives off and wrecks the car. Yes. Which makes a conscious decision to wreck the car, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, we see that she's heading towards a fork in the road, which is like heavy handed metaphor first off. (laughs) Um, but so she's driving to the fork in the road and you see her. What could this mean? And she was like, Hmm. And she, you know, I I could make a choice right now. Um, you know, I mean like there, there very well could have just been a sign like turn left for drugs, turn right to your family. And she was just like, (laughs) Hmm, you know, um, choose neither (laughs) yeah and and she does she just drives straight you know crashes into uh, a rock you know fucks up her face and and this is it and um and it's a really weird moment because it's it's very much at the end of the film like this happens the night before the wedding like this Mm -hmm. this basically happens you know midnight before the wedding is about to happen the next day you know, she gets woken up by police. They, you know, they they check everything out. They, you know, medically check her. They tow the car. And she ends up getting a ride to the wedding um, mm-hmm. to then participate in the wedding. And, you know, everyone's just kind of like, mm, are you okay? And no one's going to be like, what the fuck happened? You crashed a car. <laughs> like, I, this seems like a big deal. Your face is banged up. <laughs> I fully expected the like very stereotypical like look at your face how could you do this how could you ruin my day sort of reaction from totally. Rachel uh but we get the exact opposite where like Rachel like takes her and like immediately like starts to like help help her clean up takes care of her like there had been an argument earlier about the color of the you know Kim's sari like she wanted to wear a gray that was in the color scheme but like the other bridesmaids were wearing lavender just like I don't like it. so you know Rachel dresses her in the, the gray one she's like you know what you were right and like just is very very like tender to her yeah uh, and like uh, again like at, at, at every pretty much every possible turn like this movie like did the opposite of what I expected it to and it was weird because they even set it up with the father to have a moment of being like, oh my God, but I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure as to whose car she crashed though. Um, maybe they, it's, it's the dad's, but I couldn't tell if it was the mom's. The implication is that they have several. So. Yeah. Um, well, so the, so early on in the film, like the very first thing, as soon as she gets like, as soon as they get her home, she was like, Hey, I have to go to my meeting. But, like, I can't be late. Like, can you, can you, you know, take me or can I borrow the car? And he was like, well, I I can't really take you right now. And he's like, I don't feel comfortable with you taking the car. Like, my insurance is high already. You know, and it's obvious that this is where we start to get the sense that she crashed a car while, while uh, high. Like, that, that's where we, you know, start to kind of get the pieces. Mm-hmm. But they set that up as a perfect moment where it could have gone at the end and him being like, see, this is why I didn't want you to drive. But it, that's not what happens. Like, he he very much is like, are you okay? Like, you know, is everything fine? Like, and he's right there for her. You know, he's one of the first people that uh, she sees. Um, and I think that's, you're right. It was it was not what I was expecting. They set it up to be completely opposite. And it was good. It was nice. I also, pre- like, they, 
show her like stop at a convenience store or anything like that. But like, I appreciate that they didn't set her up to just like immediately relapse the 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 moment yeah. something was hard because uh, that again is a, a very like stereotypical uh, plot line for anyone any character that has been an addict or has like been in rehab uh, like the moment things get difficult they run off and they relapse and like sure that like probably definitely happens but right. like it, it's it's more interesting to see a character that like gets a chance to explore a different reaction. Yeah, and you know what was interesting too um, is that this was another one of those things where I they I thought they were setting it up to have her like have the have that moment of like oh I found my secret stash of pills mm-hmm. like here I am I could totally be doing this thing again and like I'm almost gonna do it but then I'm gonna dramatically flush it down the toilet and you see her open the cigar box. And I'm like, oh, here it is. Like, this is, there's a bunch of pills in there, but it's not. It's actually a bunch of photos of Ethan as, as a mm-hmm. kid. Like, it's just childhood photos mm-hmm. and there's no drugs in there whatsoever. And never throughout the movie, you know, uh, from start to finish, does she ever have like a moment of like, there are drugs right here and I could do a thing or I do do a thing. She, it's just, it never comes up again. She just doesn't have the opportunity. She doesn't bring it up. She doesn't even say like, oh man, I wish I could you know, get drunk right now. Like, it's just, she's just moving on. And I think that's super interesting. I thought that was a very interesting choice. Yeah, they don't have her frantically searching the family medicine cabinets. She's right. not, like, sneaking into the the booze stash. And like you, the, the one time you see her, like, drinking anything, she's like, don't worry, it's seltzer. Uh, and she, yeah. she kind of, like, takes a little fun poke at herself. But, yeah, like, I I I really appreciate the, the way... They handled these characters and like this very, very delicate uh, topic. Yeah. So uh, Rachel getting married. So this film is available uh, uh, on demand. So this is a film you have to rent or purchase. Um, it was like three bucks uh, for me to, to rent. So, um, yeah. so should you watch this movie? Yes, with stipulations. So if you are a person who likes films that are really... <clears throat> that are very raw feeling, um, that are very like, I guess this falls under like the, the mumble category of films or whatever, where it's like, it's like th- this definitely feels like somebody set up a camera and was like, hi, the general idea of this movie is this now go. Um, mm-hmm. and then people just kind of like built the film from there, like kind of, you know, ad lived it, but not in a, not in an awkward way. Um, cause it, this, this film isn't awkward, you know, where, where a lot of films like that are designed to be awkward. It's mm-hmm. just uncomfortable yeah. because of the subject matter, because of the tension that is looming the entire time. It's uncomfortable because of that. Like you feel like you're a member of the family and you're like, oh shit. Oh fuck. Rachel's going to say, talk about the thing again. Like, oh, don't bring that <laughs> up. You know that everyone gets mad when you do that. Like, that's how I felt this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree with that. It's it it can be a very difficult uh, film to watch, but it is a very good uh, film and uh, surprisingly high caliber for us. Yes, no, definitely uh, surprisingly high caliber. Uh, yeah, so as mentioned, uh, Rachel Getting Married is available uh, streaming on demand. Um, so definitely check it out if you are so inclined, if you have not watched it uh, already. But Caleb, what do we have coming up next? We have one more film, right, in this month? Oh, yeah, we are Shit, uh, checking we? out a... Wow. We, we're almost done with March. How uh, the fuck did wise. that happen? 
Yeah, we're going to be checking out the Netflix uh, sci-fi uh, original, uh, the Netflix original sci-fi movie. I, I got to be careful how I word that because might uh, imply that it's the sci-fi channel. Yeah. Uh, Io, uh, starring yeah. Anthony Mackie. So, yeah. Very excited to check that out. You have said you have seen this. I have seen so it. Yeah. You're going to get a chance to, to revisit. I have not seen it, but I have uh, observed its existence uh, and have been looking forward to watching it. So. Uh, I'm excited to to have a second run through of the film um, because I definitely had thoughts the first time around, but I feel like watching it the second time around, I might feel differently. Yeah, um, and that's, I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot to be said for you know, taking another uh, chance through a movie. I mean, we had that last week when we talked about uh, We Have Always Lived in the Castle, and that was one that I'd already seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Margaret Qualley, uh, Anthony Mackie, Danny Houston, Tom Payne, uh, you know, Pretty decent cast, so it looks like it's probably a fairly small cast movie, if I'm if I'm uh, correct. Correct. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Anthony Mackie as a scientist trying to save the uh, the dying Earth. I'm here for that. Yeah. Um, so definitely check that out. And of course, if you, uh, guys are, 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 uh, wanting to, please go ahead and hit subscribe over on that podcast button. We super appreciate it. Subscribe or follow or whatever it is that your podcast player of choice says. Um, you know, we, we very much appreciate that. And if you are so inclined, leave a rating and review. It's super, super helpful for us. Helps us rank better and, and get more people uh, discovering us, which uh, would be absolutely great. Uh, and of course, you can find us at social media at The Nahoit Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. But Caleb, where else can they find us? Well, you can check us out over at uh, thenahoit.com. It's T-H-E-N-H-O-I-T.com, uh, where we post our monthly schedule of upcoming episodes with links to trailers as well as uh where you can find the movie streaming if available. Uh, and of course our contact form where you can, uh, fill that out and tell us, uh, tell us what you think of the show or, you know, tell us, um, you know, movies that you want to hear us talk about. I mean, we just did uh, a whole month of listener requests. And then of course this month was a, a non-listener request, but a request nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> so you know, we, we love to do it. So keep them coming. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.